Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Acts 16.14. Acts 16.14, that's where we'll start out, or at least uh, get to that point. And uh, glad that you are here. Turn to your neighbor and just say, glad you're here. Glad you're here, yes. I'm glad each one of you are here. Well, this is a new series. It's a new series for the new year. We got delayed. We didn't have class last week. New year in the new life class. And here's the series. The Approach. Heart Postures for Approaching the Bible. And uh, I watched a lot of volleyball games in my life with Amber playing volleyball. And when you're headed to spike the ball... The approach is everything. Or if you're landing a plane, the approach is everything. As you know, I traveled in college with a missions team called Smite. And for several summers in college, we would uh, travel. We traveled all over Brazil, which meant we went to Brazil with an American uh, airline, but then we would fly within Brazil all over the country on Brazilian airlines. And so we took one Brazilian airline and flew into Manaus. Manaus is a city in the heart of the Amazon jungle. And so as we're getting ready to land, we're coming in, we're landing, and I just felt like the whole plane was shifting like at a 45-degree angle, and I'm looking around. I'm like, is this just me? And then I'm looking around, and I see everybody in the plane with their eyes like this. I mean, they're just wide. I'm like, oh, okay, no, this, this is weird. This is bad. And then it straightened out, and we landed. Well, one of our team members was from Brazil. And so his name was Paulo, and he was a, a talker. And so he uh, smooth-talked his way into the uh, sitting with the pilots on this flight. So when he came out, we're like, Paulo, what in the world was happening when we were landing? Well, we're landing in the middle of the Amazon jungle, and there was a dog on the uh, landing strip, and the uh, Brazilian pilot thought you know, he needed to dodge it. And so, you know, my, my thinking was, just kill the dog, just land the plane, okay, there's humans. But the approach is everything, and the same is true, the same is true, is approaching the Bible. We're going to explore 13 heart postures for approaching the Bible in 2020, and we're going to group them, and so we're going to move them through them quickly. And this was birthed in my heart when I first read uh, Matt Smethurst's book, and it's uh, on this topic, before you open your Bible, nine heart postures for approaching God's Word. Now, this was one of over 50 books I read this this last year, and this was in my top 10. So that's saying a lot. It's a thin book. You can read this. You can uh, benefit. It was a tremendous book. And uh, looking at some of his other articles, it's only 90 pages. Looking at some of his articles, I realized, well, there's more than nine. There's, there's actually probably 13 heart postures that we need to take a look at. And when it comes to getting in or approaching God's word, the thing I want you to see in this series is that it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. In Psalm 119, we see this. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, in the longest book in the Bible. And what is that book about? It's a love poem about the Word of God. It's a heart desire, a heart passion for the Word of God. So here's what I want to say. This is kind of the introduction to the series. Approaching the Bible 
is first and foremost a heart issue. It is first and foremost a heart issue. These are heart postures for approaching the Bible. And in Psalm 119, there's, at, there's 15 verses in the New American Standard Bible translation that have heart in it. I took just eight of them, put them there in your notes, and just notice what it says. Just reading through these quickly. With all my heart, I have sought you. Your word I have treasured in my heart. With all my heart, I observe your precepts. May my heart be blameless in your statutes. I've inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. But my heart stands in awe of your words, for they are the joy of my heart, for you will enlarge my heart. Isn't that beautiful? I love that last one. For you will enlarge. I shall run the way of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart. The goal of this study is simple and it's this. Open hearts with open Bibles. Open hearts with open Bibles. And I even, uh, you know, hey, we're simple people, right? So here's the hand gestures. Open hearts Okay, you got them all written in. Now, here's our hand gestures. Let's work together. Yeah, see, our junior church people are right on top of this. Open hearts with open Bibles. Open hearts with open Bibles. And all I'm saying to you, each day when you get in the Word of God, say, Lord, open my heart with this open Bible. Open my heart with this open Bible. Thank you for your participation. I'm asking God to do for us in 2020, those of us here in this class, what he did for Lydia, the first European convert to Christianity in Acts 16. So I hope you're there in your, with an open heart in your open Bible, Acts 16, verse 14. Look at this verse in your Bible. Notice what it says. A woman named Lydia... From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. This was a, a, a person who was seeking the God of Israel. Was listening, and look at what happened. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. The Lord opened your, her heart to listen, to respond to the things that spoken by Paul. I'm praying the Lord's going to impact three kinds of people with this series, okay? See if you can identify yourself. I'm praying that God will impact people who never or rarely open their Bibles in 2019. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to look within your heart. And here's my prayer. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're still here even though you didn't open your Bible. In 2019, I'm glad that you're here and I'm praying, Lord, open their hearts to open their Bibles in 2020. Increase their desire. Secondly, this is for people who open their Bibles, but not their hearts in 2019. You realize that maybe you completed a Bible reading plan this past year. You actually read through the whole Bible in a year, but you had an open Bible, but you didn't have the open heart. This is my prayer. Lord, open their hearts 
to delight in opening their, opening their Bibles in 2020. Increase their delight. And then third, the series is for people who open their Bibles and their hearts in 2019. You mean there's something for me? I still have something to learn? Yes, because if you opened your heart in your, in your Bible in 2019, you realize I haven't arrived and I've got a lot to learn. And so here's the prayer for you. Lord, incline their hearts to open their Bibles with greater depth in 2020. With greater depth, increase their dependency. According to Kevin DeYoung, this is a book that I started 2020 with. So this is one of the first books I read in 2020. Taking God at His Word. And I can tell you right now, it will be in my top ten for this year. Another small book that you can, you can grab. In this book, uh, Kevin says that in Psalm 119, these are the three affections that people have for the Bible. Desire, delight, and dependency. You can find those in Psalm 119. And so my prayer is, wherever you're at in relation to God's Word last year, this year, you're going to increase in desire, you're going to increase in delight, and you're going to increase in dependency. Now... Three reminders when it comes to approaching the Bible. Still by way of introduction, three reminders when it comes to approaching the Bible. Keep this in mind in the weeks to come. The first is this. The approach is nothing. This series is all about the approach. And the first thing I want you to understand is the approach is nothing. Apart from the grace of God at work in our hearts. So what I'm going to give you, these 13 heart postures, are nothing apart from God being at work in your heart. So these aren't three rules. These aren't three, you know, do these three things and get all burdened and get all, get all, uh, you know, get yourself all wound up in a knot. I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing enough of this. Acts 16, 14 reminds us that the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. And I still like Psalm 119, verse 32. This is a great theme verse for this whole series. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Isn't that beautiful? That's a great memory verse for 2020. Secondly, I want to say this. The approach is nothing, but the approach is everything. Wait a minute, I thought you just said it was nothing. Yeah, it is, apart from the grace of God. But the approach is everything in response to the grace of God. So sometimes we think that grace means God does it all and I don't have to do anything. There's two extremes that we constantly see. And you see them today in uh, contemporary evangelicalism. It's either an overreaction to legalism, you know, God is going to do everything... And and therefore, you know, I don't have to do anything. The approach is nothing apart from the grace of God, but the approach is everything in response to the grace of God. So notice what Acts 16, 14 says. The Lord opened her heart to do what? What's it say in your Bible? To respond, to respond. If God's grace is at work in you, then you will do something. You will approach the Bible. If God is opening your heart, then you're going to be in His Word. And you're going to be responding to what you read. So the approach is nothing. The pressure's off. 
The approach is everything. Respond to His grace. And then third, the approach is something we do. It is something we do. So there's a reason to come in the weeks in the weeks to come. There's a reason to keep coming and learn all 13 heart postures because the approach is something we do by grace, through faith, in the Lord, and His Word, and His Spirit. Now notice in Acts 16, 15, look at the next verse. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying... If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Now, the Christian Standard Bible translates that because there's two ways you can translate. Being faithful or having faith. So those are both legitimate translations. The translator, we as the readers of the Bible need to determine, okay, does, is she saying, if you have judged me to be faithful, the CSB translate, if you consider me a believer, And I think that's probably the more accurate translation here. The idea being, I have faithfully responded with belief. Okay? And look, if you look at these verses, 14 and 15, Lydia assembled. Lydia listened. Lydia responded by faith. Lydia responded with baptism, which was obedience. She truly believed. She had a faith that resulted in the fruit of of faithfulness. And so the approach is nothing apart from the grace of God. The approach is everything in response to the grace of God. And the approach is something we do by faith in response to God's grace. There are things, listen, there are things you need to do by faith when approaching your Bible. And and we're not going to talk about these in detail. You need a plan. It's 2020. You're already two weeks in. And that's fine. You're not left behind, but it's time to get on your horse and ride, right? So you need a plan. You need a place. Where's your place? You need a purpose. Why am I doing this? Why am I using this plan? You need a paper and pen. We're going to see next week that paper and pen are essential in approaching your Bible. You need a partner. I'm telling you, accountability is is so important when it comes to being consistent in God's Word. But above all that, You need a posture, and that's what this series is about. So let's dive in. We're going to start with the three most important or the three beginning postures of your heart. Approaching your Bible starts with your heart. So turn to your neighbor and say, it starts with my heart. It starts with my heart, okay? Now turn to your neighbor and say, it starts with your heart. Okay, it starts with, yeah, yeah, I, say, I like Jeremy. No, no, don't put this on me. It starts with your heart. Okay, good, good. I like that. I like that. Okay, so here we go. The first heart posture is approach your Bible humbly. Approach your Bible humbly. Now, why should we approach our Bible humbly? And it's real simple. Are you ready? This is profound. This is deep theology, Becky. You got your Mahomes jersey. I know you're ready for this afternoon, but are you ready for this? Why? Because God is speaking to us. Because God is speaking to us. Now, let's just stop and pause and be in wonder, okay? And be in awe. God is speaking to us. Because, you know, we take that for granted. Listen, what you hold in your hand in print or on on your phone is a God-given miracle. This is God. 
This is God speaking to us. We should be humbled. But secondly, it's a God-given privilege. Do you realize that you own that which the majority of believers in Christianity don't have a personal copy down through history? There's always, you know, there's been the written word. So we're not saying there hasn't been a Bible. What we're saying is most Christians for most of church history and most Christians that exist on this planet today do not have a personal copy. And I would venture to say that every one of us in this room have at least a dozen. The question is, will it match my outfit? The question is, is it catering to my gender or to my you know age group you know the teen bible the youth bible the women's bible the men's bible it's ridiculous but it's glorious and we should be humbled by that take a look at this randy if you can get the lights take a look you might have seen this these are chinese christians underground church receiving their first bibles It just gets my heart every time I see that. And it pops up quite frequently if you're on the Internet. But, uh, you know, really, that summarizes everything I'm going to say today. Approach your Bible humbly. Approach your Bible desperately. Approach your Bible prayerfully. Amen? And let me be very quick because I'm. Uh, you get into missions. You know how easy it is. To pull heartstrings. Hey, they're, they're just as carnal and they're just, just as sinful. You know, you don't have to go to China and live in a, you know, a hut and, and be in an underground church to have that. Although those circumstances probably help, you know. But they're just, listen, if they had as much as we had and they had as many Bibles, they would have the same struggles that you have. But here's the point. The point is it doesn't change what they have and what you have. And so if you need to, you download that, you watch that. But I hope I'm going to give you from God's word something even greater to help you understand we should approach our Bibles humbly in 2020. So let's take a look at it. Let me give you three reasons why you should approach your Bible humbly. First of all, God chose to speak. God chose to speak. The Bible, your Bible right now that you're looking at, reminds you that God is a talker. He wants to speak to us. And probably my, my favorite uh, phrase when I think about this is Francis Schaeffer's famous book with the title, He is there and he is not silent, to which we ought to shout, glory. He is there, but more importantly, he is not 
silent. God didn't have to reveal himself to us. You realize that. His speaking, his self-revelation is a pure act of grace. So approach your Bible humbly. Think of his options. He could have created and then walked away and did something else. That's called deism, where God is a big clockmaker in the sky. He creates a clock. Uh, creation, he winds it up, he walks away, and he, he's, he's indifferent. It just runs on automatic, right? It runs. I had to dig out my, uh, my uh, chief's uh, watch, okay? I had to wear that today. But it's been so long since I wanted to wear a chief's watch, the battery is dead on it. So I still wore it anyway. I set it to 205. And so that's what time it is. Okay. So God could be like that. Okay. God could be a deist. He could walk away. I just reminded, like, where is that watch? I got to get that watch. All right. So he could have created us and remained at a, a distance. He could have, here's my vision of this one. He could have not only been a deistic God, he could have been an Islamic God who was far and distant and judging. I thought of a tennis match where the umpire sits up on the chair and he's not engaged, he's not encouraging, he's not talking, he's not interacting, except to say, out of bounds, wrong, penalty, point, good. God could have been like that. He could have limited himself to only one language. Do you understand that in one of the world's greatest religions there of Islam, that the holy book of the Quran is really only God's word when it's read in Arabic? I mean, it's translated in other languages, but it's only God's word when it's in Arabic. Just think if that was true of our Bible, where you couldn't read it in your own language, and yet you can. In not only your own language, but in language from different centuries of your language. Okay, so we put to rest... Uh, Eugene uh, Jean Bell, a great long-term member, but, uh, you know, and the family wanted us to read the King James. And so, you know, Bruce and I had to get our Shakespeare on, and, and we were glad to do that. But let me tell you, that's a different kind of English, you know? Isn't it a privilege to have modernized versions of the Bible that are true to the text? We could have had a Bible that was only, we could have had a God who only would speak to us through angels. That's Mormonism. But we have a God who chose to speak to us, and that's a glorious thing. But not only that, he chose to speak to creatures made of dust. He chose to speak to creatures made of dust. You realize the essence of us is dirt? Okay? I won't have you turn to your neighbor and say you're basically dirt because that wouldn't be very edifying, but it'd be very true. It, what, what it would be is very humbling, right? And that's the point. God, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God stooped to speak to creatures made of dust. Yes, we're made in his image, and that's why he speaks to us in a way that he doesn't speak to animals, in the way that he speaks to man. He doesn't speak to angels in the way that he speaks to you. But understand this, we're made of dust, and something that I sometimes forget, when he made us of dust, he first made the animals of dust. Sometimes we forget that dust part we share with the animals. What we don't share is the image of God that enables us to hear the one who is speaking to us. So here's what you want to realize, and I think I have this in your notes. When it comes to knowing God, there's only two options, revelation or speculation. 
Revelation means God speaks. Speculation means we guess. Listen, listen. Those are the only two options on knowing God. Revelation that comes from Him down to us or speculation as we try to figure out what God is. There's plenty of speculation. There's tons of books on speculating of what God is. There is one book that reveals who He is. But listen to me. If you leave this book closed, if you left it closed in 2019 and you leave it closed in 2020 or you open it but your heart is closed, then you're speculating on what's, you know, what you need to do in life instead of getting the revelation from God. But it gets even more humbling. He not only chose to speak to creatures made of dust, but he chose to speak to traitors with rebel hearts. He chose to speak to traitors with rebel hearts. You want one of the most grace-filled verses in all the Bible is Genesis 3.9. Because in Genesis 3.9, God speaks to sinners and says what? Where are you? Where are you? Not to destroy them, but to redeem them. To bring them, to call them out of their shame, out of their fear, out of their guilt, and say, what has happened to our relationship? Where are you? Listen quietly. Listen. Listen quietly. All throughout 2019, the Lord was saying to you, where are you? Where are you? Open your heart. Open my word. Where are you? Man, what a humbling thought. You know, it's one thing for him to speak to Adam and Eve and walk with them in the cool of the evening in Genesis 1 and 2 while they were in right relationship. But it's another thing for him to seek them out and talk to them in Genesis 3. Smethurst in his book says this, Though Adam and Eve deserved the ultimate silent treatment for all eternity, God initiated a conversation. He stooped to speak. He pursued a relationship with rebels, one that would require the death of his only son to repair. Why approach the Bible humbly? God had every right to leave us shut up in a locked room of ignorance since we're merely creatures. He doesn't owe us a thing. Just like if you created a a vase on a pottery wheel, you, you can set that on a shelf. You don't have to have a relationship with that vase. You don't have to talk to that vase. You don't have to keep that vase. You can throw that vase out in the trash when you're done with it, right? And that's what we are. We are made by the potter's hand. God had every right to leave us dead in a tomb of guilt. Because that's what we are, rebels at heart. But instead of that, your Bible is evidence of God's great love who desires to speak to you as a mere creature with a rebel heart. Approach your Bible How? Humbly. Humbly. Now, that's the first heart posture. The second one is this, because we're going to go a little deeper. And you've already got a hint of it, and it's this. Number two, approach your Bible desperately. 
approach your Bible. If you really grasp the humility, then you will approach desperately, okay? Now, there's three basic approaches. I have a little chart there. Those of you that hate that are groaning. Those of you that love that are grinning. Can I Thank you, Kurt, for grinning. Here's three basic ways to approach your Bible. But again, again, sometimes we can become legalistic about grace. None of these are necessarily wrong. All right? So here they are. The first way is out of duty. And that's when you say, I have to. Do you ever catch yourself, well, I have to go to church today. And you go, well, wait, wait, wait. I mean, I get to. I get to, right? Duty is that attitude, I have to in order to strive. It's a fight. It's a struggle. Okay? Second approach is out of delight. I get to in order to thrive. I get to. It's my delight. I thrive in it. Okay? The second is out of desperation. I need to in order to survive. All three of those are actually valid ways to approach your Bible. And to be honest with you, Not one is superior to the other. Because if you think one is superior, then you're going to say, well, if I don't delight in it, I'm not going to do it today. No, that's where you default to duty. And sometimes duty and delight, it's not really a delight. It's like, Lord, I'm desperate. I need a word from you because I finally get it. It's not the chief's winning that makes life fulfilling. It's you. I've got to get in your word, okay? Because they may not win today, and I'll feel bad, just like I did for one quarter last week. That was horrible, okay? So let's talk about this a little bit. We're not going to get into it in depth, but just I've got the verses there. Your approach out of duty, okay? I've got a couple verses, uh, and because sometimes we forget these verses are in the Bible. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 17.10. Luke 17.10 is a, is a verse that, listen, this is a verse that saves duty from the grace police, okay? You know, like in other words, if I have to do it, it's not grace. You know, if I have to do it then God's not in it. God's not pleased. No, look look at Luke 17, 10. And here's Jesus. In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are worthless servants. We've only done our duty. We are worthless servants. In other words, here's the deal. Duty is a legitimate way to respond to God. You just do it because he commanded it. I don't have to feel like it. I don't have to get blessings from it. I just need to do it. And he says, look, when you've done everything I've commanded, don't come to me saying, hey, aren't I special? He's like, no, I'm the master. You're the servant. You did what I required. Thank you. It's like your kids, you know, when they do your chores. Hey, aren't I special, mom? No, do that every day. Am I right, Tara? I mean, it's like, you, you know, it's like... Anyway, that's enough of that. Anyway, it's interesting. It's interesting. Listen, uh, turn, we'll, we'll look at Matthew 23, 23. This is another one that we forget. Matthew 23, 23. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Look at Matthew 23, 23. It says this. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Now, we like the first part of this. 
The, the grace police like the first part of this. You know, hey, God's not into the rules, the regulations, the details. He's just into loving, mercy, the big, you know, just being a loving person. So here's what he says. Woe to you. And by, by the way, when you see woe, that's basically to hell with you. So this is severe judgment. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. They would literally grow herbs in their garden and to be scrupulous and keep, you know, to please God, they would tithe. So not just their money, they tithe off their tomatoes in their garden. Okay, they tithe all this. You, you tithe mint, dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law justice, mercy, faithfulness. You know, you can tithe off of your little herbs in your garden, but show mercy, justice, and faithfulness. And we kind of stop there with this verse, but notice what he says. But these are the things you should have done, but we forget this last phrase, without neglecting the others. See, we skip over that. Oh, you detailed people, you keeping the jot and diddle, tittle or diddle, whatever. Hey, fiddle, fiddle. You know, you're, you're, you're focusing on that. You should be focusing on just loving people. And he says, yeah, you guys are really bad on doing that. You sh- but you should have focused on the big thing. But without, that's pretty, that's pretty, you know, so this idea of, oh, I don't need to read my Bible every day. That's legalism. I'm just loving the Lord and I, you know, I come to him when I want and, you know, and when I'm delighting and when I'm motivated. No, duty is okay. Number two, but if it's all duty and no delight, that's not so good. So you approach out of delight. I get to in order to thrive. Jeremiah 15, 16. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Listen, my heart's desire, my prayer for you has always been, will always ever be. But in this series is that you get into this word to the point where you do delight in it. Not every day. Not, not every day delighting, every day out of duty, but actually also delighting. Where you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I do strive and I do fight to get into God's word. But I do that because I find delight there and I thrive in it. Listen to Psalm 119 again. These are verses that all have delight. A, a concordance. Or a Bible software program is a beautiful thing. You pull up Psalm 119, you plug in delight, and you get every verse. So listen to these. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. We'll have to talk about that someday. May your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight, my delight, my delight, my delight. But sometimes our approach is desperation. I just need to survive. And here's Matthew 4.4. Here's Jesus speaking. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what he's saying? He's saying this after 40 days of fasting. He is hungry as all get out, and if he doesn't eat, he's not going to survive. And he's saying, devil, you can offer me anything, but more than physical bread, I need spiritual bread bread i'm a desperate man i've got to have your word to survive okay oh lord enlarge our hearts to be desperate amen so here is oh let me just say this i just can't psalm 119 okay again a few years back, I, in my own quiet time, I just studied Psalm 119. And I learned something that now I know is very obvious and many you know, scholars know. I didn't know it and I didn't know it until I studied it myself. But I studied Psalm 119. And, you know, it's all about the Word of God. But do you know that underneath that, the man who is writing it, David, he's writing this in the midst of suffering. And when you study that psalm in detail, you realize at the beginning, it's about he's talking about his suffering and his desperation for the Word of God. But then you come to the middle of it, and here's what he says in Psalm 119, verse 92. He says this, If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. If the law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Duty, delight, and desperation come together in our hearts. And sometimes it's a duty, sometimes it's delight, and sometimes it's desperation. But whatever it is, you get into the Word of God. Here's some questions of desperation, okay? And really, get alone with God and answer these questions. Do I approach the Bible as an option or a necessity? I can guarantee you this. If you, if you approach it as an option, it won't get open. Are you with me? Do you approach the Bible more like a snack for the satisfied or a feast for the starving? Okay? Snack for the satisfied. Oh, yeah, I can nibble. I do a little nibbling in the Word of God because basically the world meets my needs. Third question. Is it more accurate to say I am willing to hear God speak or I am desperate to hear God speak? That's a good one. Am I merely interested in the Scriptures to answer questions that, I, that I'm curious about or am I actually internalizing them? And here's the third one. Do I approach the Bible for information or for transformation? So when, when someone says, hey, did you read your Bible? Yeah, I did. Uh, so what would you get out of it? And all you have is content. You need more depth. You're not desperate. You need to get more depth. Okay, now approach starts with the heart. So we approach our Bible first how? Humbly. Secondly, desperately. How do I know if I'm approaching my Bible humbly and desperately? The answer is the third approach. Am I approaching my Bible prayerfully? 
Because it just makes sense, doesn't it? If I'm humble while God is speaking, then I'm going to pray, God, help me to hear what you're saying. If, if, if I'm going to approach my Bible desperately, I've got to have a word from God. Then I'm going to say, Lord, I've got to have a word. I'm, I'm going to, does that make sense? These, these can't be separated. If you approach your Bible humbly, you will approach it prayerfully. If you approach your Bible desperately, you will approach it prayerfully. And if you approach your Bible prayerfully, ask yourself, do I hear the cries of humility and desperation in my prayer? Are you with me? Okay, so again, you don't know how hard it is teaching this series and keeping it on approach, okay? Because, I mean, this is my wheelhouse. So I got to give you a, a few things. So here, here, when praying and reading the Bible, because I'm thinking about this, praying and reading the Bible, when do you pray when you read your Bible? Before, during, and after. Make sense? So before we read, we pray. Approach the Bible prayerfully. That's what we're going to focus. But while we read, we pray. Absorb the Bible prayerfully. Lord, that was really weird what I just read. Why did you write that? Okay. You know, their hearts are fat, but I delight in your word. What does that mean? You know, what? Why did, why did you say that? Lord, help me understand. Um, what, do we, what do we do? Gwen, we just talk to somebody. Oh, just somebody in our church, a senior citizen in our church, a great guy. If I said his name, you, you would say, yeah, that's a great. Anyway, so I visit him. And I challenge him on reading his Bible. And, and I do that every time I visit him. And it clicked. By God opened his heart and he started reading his Bible. Coming to me now. Now he comes to me with tears in his eyes. Chris, I'm reading my Bible. But he says, but there's a lot of it I don't understand. And I'm like, well, join the club. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep praying. Okay? It's okay. You don't have to. If you understand the, man, the mind of God your first time through it, then you're pretty much God. Okay? There's still parts I don't understand. There's parts that I used to think I understand, and now I'm not sure I do understand. Okay? You keep reading. Okay. And then after we read, apply the Bible prayerfully. Let's focus on the approach. Okay? For many years, somewhere along the line, I learned Psalm 119, verses 17 and 18. And those verses, in fact, turn your Bibles there. You can turn your Bibles there. Psalm 119, 17 and 18. And if you don't get the, you know, if, if, if you don't, it, it can be this simple. This is what I've done for years. This is my default. When I approach God's word... I pray these verses back to God. Deal, verse 17, Psalm 119, verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Lord, bless me, not so I can do my thing. Bless me so I can do your thing. And then it flows, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your heart. In other words, give me Lydia's open heart. Open heart, open Bible. Open heart, and that, that's just what I've done for years. Now, John Piper, uh, 
uh, did, did that one better, and he created this acronym, I, IOUs. That's how I say it, to remind me, IOUs, I-O-U-S. So this is what John Piper prays and how he remembers to pray it, I-O-U-S, okay? And uh, so to keep it simple, you could just do what I do or you can enlarge this. But these, this is good, so let's look at it. Pray I, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Incline my heart. CSB translates that, turn my heart to your degrees. In other words, when we, it's okay to come to the Word of God and not want to be in it. Instead, just pray, Lord, turn my heart to it. It's okay. He already knows you don't want to be in it. But the fact is, get in it and say, Lord, incline my heart. Does that work? You like that? That's the I, incline. The O is open my eyes, the verse that I've always used uh, for many years now. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. Incline my heart, I think, is a cry of desperation. Lord, I'm not inclined. I need to be inclined. I'm desperate. Open my eyes that I may see is a prayer of humility. Lord, I can read the words on the pages, but I need to know what you mean by them. Okay? Humility. You. The you is this. Unite my heart. To fear your name. It's Psalm 86, 11. So all of these are little, literal quotes from these verses. All right? Unite my heart to fear your name. The literal Hebrew is bind my heart to the fearing of your name. The idea is, Lord, give me a whole undivided heart that wants to exalt your name. Now, again, we're in this... Super Bowl thing. It's so easy to do this. So this isn't shaming you. I'm not Jesus juking you. But, you know, how many of us have Mahomes' name on our backs right now? Right? And what are we doing? We're making much of his name. And that's okay. To a point, right? As long as you're not thinking he's the Savior, right? He's a, but, you're, but what are you doing? You're, you're, you're wearing his name. You're making much of his name. So now, in, in a realm of the earth that it's okay to do, I'm saying it's okay. If you, I, I told Brian, get me a Mahomes jersey next week. We're in the Super Bowl. I'll wear it because he wanted me to wear a jersey. I said, okay, I'll do that. I can't wait. Uh, large would be my size, okay? I have no problems wearing Mahomes' name on my back. But here's the thing. We've got a God whose name is greater, amen? And we need to wear it on our heart. And we need to make much of that name. And our heart needs to be bound to making that name great. Amen? S, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness. In other words, Lord, there's a God-shaped hole in my heart that only you can fill. Chiefs win in Serpa Bowl, not going to fill it. Pay raise at work, not going to fill it. Happy marriage, not going to fill it. Kids obedient and, and, and making me proud, ain't going to fill it. It's just not going to fill it. Satisfy me with your loving kindness. Now, the, the glory of that is marriages aren't always happy. Raises don't always come, right? 
and all of this proud moments aren't always there, but God can still satisfy your heart. Are you with me? Listen, we become what we worship. And if you worship money, you will become a greedy person. If you worship your kids, you will become a pain in their backside. If you worship your job, you will become a workaholic. You become what you worship. When you worship him, you become one who is loving, kind, merciful, holy, and gentle. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So, the approach is everything. Start with your heart. Approach your Bible humbly. God is speaking. Approach your Bible desperately. You need it to thrive to strive and survive, and approach your Bible prayerfully. I-O-U-S, or simply, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things, because I want to be blessed by you to do great things for you and for your glory. Is this good? It's because God's good. Come back next week. We're going to learn two. We're going to focus on just two next week. Let's pray. Father, we come, and we come with desperate hearts, humble hearts, and we come with prayerful hearts. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of your word. Thank you for the Blummers translating the Bible with technology and digital video and getting it to Muslims, Lord. Thank you for the Hills translating the Bible for the Makonde people. Lord, thank you for our missionaries preaching the Bible around this world in languages we will never, never speak. Lord, thank you for the privilege of having so many Bibles, but we bring it down to this. Open our hearts as we open our Bibles. In Jesus' name we pray, who is the Word of God incarnate. Amen.